1: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Curry pops out, gets the ball. Lou Dort will defend him. Curry waiting. Down to 12 seconds with 10 seconds. Curry checks, waits. They spread
3: the floor. It's a five-out looking... Play for Curry, he dribbles on Dort with five, with four, with
4: three, makes his move, drives in, underhand, scoop up and good! Curry hit it with .2 to go! No, they're gonna wipe it away! Nick Buchert says no baskets, and Draymond touched it in the cylinder! Oh my goodness,
2: oh my goodness!
3: After review, the basket inference call on the court has been overturned to a successful basket. The rim touch by Green does not off the ball to take an unnatural bounce. The game clock will be set at point two. It's been a pleasure to be joined by Dan Devone here on a Saturday for the next three hours. And uh, we'll open up the phone lines right off the top. 888-957-9570. You can give us a call or shoot us a text at that number. Dan, good to be with you, my man. Been a little bit, but uh, the Warriors have got things rolling here uh, five consecutive wins, and, and I think these last two wins by a single point on Wednesday against the Kings and last night, both of them with two-tenths of a second to go, I, I think indicative of the fact that this year ain't last year when it comes to close games and down-the-stretch execution, and, and hell, maybe even a little bit of luck as far as winning some of these games.
2: J.D., how are you? Always good to be alongside, and I would also add to that that certainly when it comes to not only close games but playing on the road. This team doesn't resemble anything that we saw of a year ago. They're now undefeated on the road, 4-0. and They've nearly won about half as many games as they won all of last year, and we're six games into it. <laughs> so yeah, this is it, clearly a different squad.
3: No doubt. And and I think when you look at it, and, and I have to note it was, you know they, when they got their third win last year on the road, it was – the week of Christmas, when they were able to to, to do that, and they were three and fourteen at that particular point in time. Yeah, eleven total road wins last year. They're already up to four and 5 and one overall. And you know they're speaking about the the difference in in the locker room, the difference between Chris Paul. We're going to get into that here in the next three hours. But I mean, to me, you got to start with Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry has just been fantastic to begin this season. And, you know, last night they put the ball in his hands just like any other team would put the ball in their superstars' hands, clear it out, let 30 go to work, and, and 30 delivered. A couple of nights after the Warriors you know, ran a real smart play when the Kings tried to take the ball out of Curry's hands, they stayed poised. I mean, that, that's been the big thing to me in the close games over these last two. The Warriors have done it in two different ways, right? They won yesterday basically with offense. It was a defense-optional get up and down the floor, run and gun kind of a game against a young and, and really talented Oklahoma City team. But then they were able to win a grimy one against the Kings uh, on a night where you know, Darren Fox didn't play and nobody could hit a shot, and it seemed like they really didn't have their legs beneath them coming off of the prior three-game road trip where they had just swept. So doing it in different ways, I think, impressive for this Warriors team to this point through, five, through six games.
2: Yeah, and people referred to last night's game as a trap game. I think without SGA, Shea Gildris, Alexander, their best player, one of the up-and-coming stars in the league, unavailable. You're just coming off of that, you know, that emotional win against Sacramento. Maybe you're overlooking OKC despite them being, as you mentioned, one of the young, talented teams in the league. But this is a testament to who the Warriors are this year. Their defense was not good. They didn't play well for a half as far as turnovers, which has been a point of emphasis this year. They want to keep that around. 13. They had about 10 at half. So this was not a well played game and it was a track meet, not to mention that OKC could not miss, especially Lou Dort have a night. <laughs> but Golden State down the end withstood the blow and you just had that sense that okay, they're not gonna shoot like this for an entire 48 minutes. You just took their best shot. You got a standing eight canton and you're still within you're still within striking distance. So that game just had – it had the, the, the composition of, you know what, Oklahoma, you had your opportunity to run away and hide, and now it's the fourth quarter, and this is usually uh, when the Warriors and their guile and that veteran leadership, although we didn't see it last year, but the structure and the attitude is clearly different this year, and the Warriors just said, we're going to walk you down. You had your opportunity to take your shot and knock us out, but we're still here, and as long as we're within striking distance – Give the ball to Steph, clear aside, and let's go home.
3: Yeah, and the, the Warriors hit thirteen threes in the first half. It looked like that was going to be you know that kept them in the game. I made the point at halftime: if the Warriors cool off, as hot as Oklahoma City was, but if the Warriors cool off from three, they may wind up being in trouble. It looked in the third quarter as if the Warriors were going to be in trouble. They cooled off a little bit initially. The Thunder were putting their head down and just attacking the basket with their athleticism and and really having their way, getting into the paint against the Warriors. And it looked as if, all right, this is trouble for for Golden State, but they were able to, you know, Moses Moody hits a big bucket. Jonathan Kaminga, you know, didn't finish the game last night, had a pretty bad first half. But he had a lot of key buckets in the second half that I thought stabilized the, the the game when the Warriors really needed points, when Oklahoma City was running wild there toward the back end of the third quarter to help keep the Warriors in it. And the third quarter wasn't a disaster. Yes, the 39 points allowed can be construed as a disaster, but the Warriors wound up putting up 37 themselves. And to me, when the game was tied going to the fourth quarter, as much, Dan, as they didn't win... and. And it felt like they never won that last night's game a year ago on the road. This year is different, and they were able to do enough down the stretch. You know, Gary Payton II defensively uh, making a couple of big stops. The Warriors did get stout enough in the final four minutes as the game really bogged down to a, a complete slog. With a lot of replay reviews and half-court offense, and it was almost in some ways two different games, right? It was the up and down defense optional, and then you hit the four-minute mark, basically with the game close, uh, clo- uh, close, and it and it became a, a defensive battle. It became a, a battle of, of wills, I think, in some ways, with a lot of different, uh, you know, re- replay review. It felt like Draymond Green was involved in all the replay reviews last night. You get the one at the end. Uh, and and so the warriors are able to get out of there with a win which again is is something that they weren't able to do a year ago I know Steve Kerr in the postgame press conference addressing the fact that and this is really the second time in a week that he's done this dan where he, any kind of question about last year he just wants it completely thrown out he doesn't he don't want to mention last year last year was different I know we'll get into the comments from draymond Green about the work environment and all of that from post game on on wednesday and you know draymond obviously has to be accountable i think for part of why things were the way that they were last year but this team seems to like each other more and the pieces fit together more and it's allowing them the margin for error for when things are not perfect and things were hardly perfect last night they definitely were not perfect wednesday but they're still able to figure out ways to win games and and that's what championship contending teams do
2: yeah and listen I've always maintained that what happens in that locker room, it has direct correlation and a cause and effect in wins and losses and what happens on the court. And we saw a year ago that clearly there was disharmony. And the one thing that the Warriors have always got right, starting at the very top, with Bob Myers and Steve Kerr, that there's a buy-in. And when your poster child and your best player is Steph Curry, he leads the way, not only with the the remarkable talent, but it's the attitude, and everybody sort of falls in line. Now, look, it, I don't want to mention this guy's name because I went after him a year ago, and I know the callers would go after me because he was enjoying, you know, he's, he'd have big nights, but I never felt that Jordan Poole fit on this basketball team. And the reason why, and listen, God bless, do you out in Washington, you believe you belong in Washington. They don't play defense and, and, and score 30 a night. But there was something amiss with this guy, and the one thing that I mentioned was that it wasn't necessarily, and we can, we can talk about the punch, but it's the fact, and listen, I don't want to defend Draymond, for you kids listening, keep your hands in your pockets, don't punch anybody, but there's a reason why he got decked. There's a reason why Steph Curry, of all people, took out the mouthpiece and threw it away because You know Jordan Poole didn't give him the ball in the closing minutes of a game. There's a reason why Steve Kerr, who never does this, dressed down one Jordan Poole in a game, basically went Bobby Knight on the guy. You never see that. I think behind the scenes, he just was a bit disruptive, and it had to do with the personality. I think he pushed buttons, and I think just with that one guy out of the room and you replace him, of course, with the likes of a Chris Paul and a couple of kids, and the buy-in is there, and just that cancer now that is gone, you can see that it is back intact in terms of that locker room, in terms of guys getting along. I can't remember a Golden State Warrior team that refers to the team, and I mean, you know, the complete roster, how these guys are all, and I'm talking about the two kids, Brandon. Jam- <laughs> Pajemski, as well as Trace Jackson uh, Davis, they didn't play last night. Did you hear this, though? Draymond Green said, we needed those guys. They weren't there in the road trip because Steve Kerr reassigned them to Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz is starting their season. He said, you know, I want to get you guys some run, get in some scrimmages. You gonna go through some practices. You're not in our rotation right now. So he does this, right? He did this with Moses Moody, did it with John of the Community, He does it with rookies. If you're not in the rotation, rather than sit on the bench, I want you playing. Draymond said, I needed those guys out in OKC. We feed off of their energy. Draymond's howling at the moon that he's putting his arms around this team and saying, I like this team behind closed doors, and that oftentimes to me means as much as anything else.
3: Well, they just—they seem like they're on a mission, uh, to be honest, compared to where things were last year. And maybe coming off the championship as well, that, that creates a little bit – of of that hangover, the punch obviously a year ago created. I, I think issues that, that this team was never able to overcome. I think Jordan Poole wanting to be a, a particular player and have a, a, a certain role and, and almost be considered to be someone above reproach. Like like the, the the other three, you know, future Hall of Famers and guys that have won four championships. I think that was something that was grading uh, as wrong as, as what Draymond Green did. And, and, look, we don't want to spend the next three hours no. litigating Jordan Poole and, and all of that, although you know, Draymond Green, his comments in the postgame press conference on Wednesday after the win against Sacramento when you know he said it was hard to come to work and that the chemistry was, was horse bleep and, and all of that, it did make you wonder, and I know we debated it on this radio station throughout the day on Thursday, and Steve Kerr was asked about it, and we'll hear all the sound here uh, as far as what Draymond had to say and how Steve Kerr responded to it, and Kerr called it unfair to to single out Jordan Poole. And, and look, Draymond didn't single out Jordan Poole by name, but it left everybody wondering if you uh, – well, the only thing really that's different about this team is – Chris Paul's on the team, and and Jordan Poole's not on the team. Now, I, I I think that's a little overly simplistic. You know, Dario Saric was a huge component and and key to the win last night. Scored 20 points. You know, Kaminga and Moody were were obviously here last year. Trace Jackson Davis and Pajemski were not. They got sent down to to the G League for for last night's game as well. So it's it's not completely the same team, but but mostly the the core is the same guys and look Kaminga looks like a a, a different guy in terms of his attitude his willingness to to be coachable that's something that's been singled out Uh, and and I wonder uh, again not to try and put this all on Jordan Poole but but I wonder if maybe Poole was a little bit of a bad influence on a a young player in Kaminga who has a high opinion of his own game and and really at times looked like a, a guy that that wanted to you know Put it on the deck and attack and be an offense only player and 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 try to look the part of being a future star as opposed to looking the part of being a role player that can help this team win based on the skill set that that he possesses. And you know, maybe he was looking to Jordan Poole as a young, kind of made dude leader, and he was starting to to, to act the wrong way last year because make no mistake Steph Curry was talking about Jordan Poole and Jonathan Kaminga in the reported speech before they got on the bus and headed to Sacramento when Curry went off for 50 and they knocked the Kings out in, in Game 7. Those were the two players that about you know getting on board and needing to be a part of the team. I think Dante DiVincenzo may have been part of that as well. He's obviously not around anymore. And so the chemistry is definitely different, but Draymond's comments I think left everybody wondering Well, he's got to be talking about Jordan Poole, right?
2: Oh, there's no doubt. There's no, And I wouldn't be surprised if this escalates and it gets to the point where, you know, Jordan Poole as well as Draymond Green are trading verbal darts. I mean, you know, that's good theater, but it's neither here nor there. And just to move on and talk about Draymond for a second, he was so huge last night. And it's one of those things, you look at the box, I mean, he had five rebounds, three assists, the 15 points were nice, but... You know, and it's Draymond, right? It's, it's one of those <laughs> love-hate towards the end of the game because he's right on the precipice of potentially getting a T. But he takes that blocking foul on Chet Holmgren, and they go down, and everybody's in Draymond's face. They're an OKC. And, you know, Draymond, as you, as you well pointed out, he's right in the middle of everything in the closing moments. But then right after that, you got about 25 seconds left in the game. Draymond gives you that fake handoff and without a blink of an eye darts to the paint and then throws that lob to GP2 to give the warriors the lead again. He just and even the offensive interference towards the end of the game which you know I'd like to break down that game with you uh, that play JD. I I don't put that even if that get, even if that bucket's ruled off and they go into OT and say they lose to Oklahoma. I don't put that on Draymond. I think that was just an act of play on a ball that with the gentle touch and as high as Steph had to put that off the window, there was some uncertainty as to whether that was going to settle through the rim or not. That, I don't put that on Draymond. I think Draymond was vintage Draymond Green towards the end of that game. And, you know, he, along with Wiggins, you can see them just getting their sea legs, getting their stamina. And, and I heard Chris Paul talk about this last night, that while guys get back into shape, they're still Far, far from playing their best basketball because of the new faces and the fact that they still do not know a lot of the guys what they're doing defensively. A lot of things are being put in late. And so, you know, this thing could get even better for the Golden State Warriors as far as the familiarity is concerned.
3: Eight eight, nine five seven, nine five seven zero, Triple Eight, nine five seven, ninety-five seventy. It's John Dickinson and Dan Devone. It's Warriors this week here. On a Saturday at 95-7, the game we're off and running here in the 9 o'clock hour. We're going to be with you until noon here on 95-7, the game as the Warriors improve to 5-1. They're 4-0 on the road. They beat the Thunder 141-139 to on to Cleveland and then Detroit before a stop in Denver. And the Warriors, a lot of road games to begin, 7 of the first 9 away from Chase Center Dubs not back home until a week from tonight, when they will take on Cleveland again. Of course, you can hear all of these games right here on ninety five seven. The game. Uh, let, let's get into that last play. Uh, and you know, brilliant drive by Stephen Curry. Uh, initially ruled offensive basket interference with Draymond Green grabbing the rim. And 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 I'll I'll be honest. Initially, I thought right call on the court. Not going to count. Draymond grabs the rim. I know Josh Giddy had grabbed the net. People were freaking out about the fact that Giddy had had grabbed the net. But then when you look at it and, and you read the rule, uh, and, and the rule applies both ways, Dan, as you know, uh, applies to the offensive player can grab the rim as long as he doesn't affect the ball going through the basket. And obviously the offensive player cannot touch the ball when it's over the cylinder. Uh, So upon review, and and I'll have the quote from from the official in the postgame press conference, he did a pool report with a a reporter from the the Oklahoma area where he clarified exactly what was reviewed and, and what ultimately determined the call. And it, it was twofold. Giddy grabbing the net—it's the same thing. Giddy grabbing the yep. net—if it doesn't impact the ball going through, that can be discounted. And and what essentially happened was, hey, Draymond didn't affect the shot. Giddy didn't affect the shot. It was a wash. Basket counts. Game over. Uh, again, I think once you slowed it down, fair fair result. Uh, all things considered, but I'll be honest—I thought in the moment it wasn't going to be a lock that that thing was going to get overturned because the call on the floor was as it was offensive basket interference. And once they go to replay, it almost becomes a coin flip. So I I deemed it a break, even though I do think it was the the proper result and the right call. I still think it was a break once they went to replay with the basket not counting that the Warriors were able to get that bucket counted and and walk out of there a winner.
2: Yeah, I thought that if you touch any part of the rim, that immediately it's offensive interference. And upon reading the rule, it gets a little subjective. Look at I think anybody watching the game could recognize that thing was going through the hoop, right? So yes. just let, and that's the bottom line, right? Let, let Steph Curry and the players decide who wins and loses these things. But just stepping away from the officiating of that last call for a second, we sort of take these things for granted. But that finish by Steph Curry, awesome. crying out loud. I mean, let's, for, you, you talked about this off the top. The last time they were in this situation, tremendous move by Steve Kerr against Sacramento, closing seconds. Don't call the timeout because the Warriors know what it is that they're going to do. They've been down this road. It's yeah. a veteran core, right? Sacramento's scrambling. And maybe Coach Brown told them, let's take the ball out of Steph's hands. But there was no timeout. They go after Steph. Where's all right? go to Draymond, Draymond facilitates. The minute the ball goes to Draymond, you don't have to coach this up with X's and O's. There's Clay who knows immediately that I'm going to cut and get to to my spot, catch, release, the narrowest of margins because Sabonis almost got that shot from behind, but boom, game winner, Warriors win it. This time, the Warriors sit there with Steph out on the angle and they're waiting, all right, what are you going to do? Are you going to – you know what the Warriors are doing. The Warriors are just saying – you're out there by yourself, Steph, because the last thing Golden State does is bring somebody over to set a screen. You no, know, because yeah. that means you bring in a defender, and they can jump with a double, with a uh, with two players and the double team. So they sit there and they see that okay, it's just me and you, Lou Dort. All right, Warriors like this. So he shakes Lou Dort, and now it's him and Chet Holmgren between him and the game winner. Holmgren goes full on extension at seven one seven two. And he, we just take this for granted. That shot that he floated over the outstretched arms of Chet Holmgren to kiss off the very top of the window and have that thing settle through, its I know we get accustomed to the step back three for a winner, or a jump shot, but that to me was at the very top of all the dramatic finishes we've seen by number 30 throughout the years.
3: Without question and and you look at the game winners that that he's had throughout the years and that was the game first game winner since 2022 for Steph in the in the final 5 seconds of a game he had the the win against Houston uh, and yeah i mean it's it's impressive impressive stuff the ninth career game winning shot devon for Steph Curry with 5 seconds or less again the last one back in January of 2022 that was the first actual buzzer beater Uh, with with the clock at zero, but it it was a hell of a move in a situation where the Warriors said, all right, Steph, and this is what you see teams do. They put the ball in their best players' hands, and you're either going to win it or the game's going to go to overtime. There isn't going to be anything else in there that's going to clutter it up, like you said, like like a screener or you know too much ball movement. It's basically gonna be Steph makes a play. Maybe he ends up making a pass if the, if the defense tries to collapse on him and somebody else gets an open shot, but it was gonna be very, very easy. And for Steph to get by Dort, who is a terrific defender, and, and yeah, the floater game and, and the ability of Steph. You know, how many games has Steph Curry won for the Warriors in the last two and a half years based on his ability to get to the basket. Mm. We always talk about paint points, and the Warriors sometimes are lacking in paint points, and they're two, three-point dependent, and they don't have enough guys who can get a tough two. The guy on their team that's getting the tough two, more often than not, and the others contributed last night, but the guys that are getting the tough twos more often than not, it's Steph, and and his ability to get into the paint, I think it's an underrated part of, of his game, that's really evolved as he's gotten older to be a significant part of his game because teams are are so hell-bent on trying to get him off of the three-point line in in certain key situations. He's using that to his advantage and to the Warriors' advantage.
2: And I think it aligns with the work he's put in as far as the strength and training. He couldn't play through that sort of contact, I think, as a younger player. Now he uh, he welcomes – the contact and getting to the rim, I would say this, and I don't have the statistics in front of me, and I don't even know if there are metrics for this, but he has to be one of the, the greatest finishers in the history of this game. And, and maybe it's a little bit more notable because he's, he's a guard and he's smaller. But usually, and this is sort of one of those gut feelings, that when he's going to the rim, you, you have a good sense that this is either a bucket or a foul. Because Steph just has a way of closing deals. And what we've seen throughout the years where he, as well as the Warriors, were so three-reliant, and now because I think a, a lot of the upper body strength, but his game is it's multi-dimensional. If you want to just run him off the three-point line, that's fine. But as he demonstrated last night, he'll get to the basket as effective as anybody in the league right now.
3: And just tying up the loose end on the, on the final play, I, I did want to get to the, the quote from the official, uh, as it was Mitchell Irvin, the crew chief, last night in Oklahoma City. Uh, there was a reporter from the Oklahoman who did the pool report. Anytime there's any kind of controversy uh, at the end of a game or a big play involving the officials, They'll send a, a pool reporter into the official's locker room, and they'll get to ask a couple of questions for clarification purposes to the, to the crew chief. And so Mitchell Irvin was asked about the overturn, and the question was, please explain why Draymond Green wasn't called for offensive interference, uh, why, the, why the call was overturned. And, and Mitchell Irvin, here's the, the quote – Uh, It was clear and conclusive evidence that Draymond does not touch the ball. Although Draymond does touch the rim, he does not touch the ball, nor does him touching the rim cause the ball to take an unnatural bounce. Therefore, a basketball violation does not occur on the play, and thus the basket counts there. There was no mention of giddy, and I know there are people who were going crazy and maybe had the call not been overturned upon review, people would really be going crazy if the Warriors had lost the game about Giddy. But they deemed on the floor that Giddy grabbing the net had no impact. And I know there were there were you know, people that were reporting, Giddy, 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 and I think on the on the NBC Bay Area telecast, I think they were talking about Giddy. That actually didn't factor into the call whatsoever. And it didn't matter, again, proper result. Maybe it's semantics here. But what was reviewed, and and people were kind of coming after me on on Twitter last night, uh, what was reviewed was Draymond in this instance. And, again, they got the call right, Dan. But it came down to, yes, he can touch the rim as long as it didn't impact the shot. It didn't impact the shot, which, as you laid out, was clearly going in the bucket.
2: Yeah, and that's what the rule state in. <clears throat> so they were just abiding by uh, what it is the the law that, as it relates to um, uh, you know, these sort of things. <laughs> I was uh, I was sort of naive because I, I always again felt that if you got any part of the rim, while it's a live ball around the cylinder, it's waved off. So it, I think that clearly you could see it's going to be a buck, and the last thing you want is for a referee to get letter of the law and make a, a decision that decides the outcome of that contest. Again, maybe we can talk about this coming back on the other side, but I had no issues and I'd like to get your opinion what you thought about Draymond Green being uh, getting a, a piece of the rim and what potentially could have destroyed and ruined one of the greatest finishes in recent Warrior memory and certainly one of the best finishes we've seen by Steph Curry. But I don't know if we have enough time to do that now. But uh, I had no issue with, with Draymond Green and, and his activity around the hoop towards the end of that contest.
3: Yeah, we'll get into that coming back. We do have Don as well on the phones, so we'll get to 888-957-9570. Uh, but we will pause here. He's Dan Devone. I'm John Dickinson. It's Warriors this week. We're off and running here on a Saturday on five seven. The Game.
5: Because I was going it looked like the ball was about to pop out so I was going to uh, get a putback and when I jumped to get the putback giddy like went back into my leg so it kind of brought my hand down and hit the rim but hitting the rim is not a go-ten so I didn't affect the shot and we won I also saw Giddy had pulled the net as well you know so uh, there was some confusion on it and um shea has said if he touched the net and it didn't affect the ball it's not a go and she said if if I touched the rim and I didn't affect the ball, it wasn't a go-to. And I knew I didn't affect the ball, so I thought it was good. Got the bucket.
3: Back to that with, with the net. Uh, we welcome you back here to Warriors this week on ninety 95.7 The Game. It's John Dickinson and Dan Devone. We'll get to the phones in just a second, Dan. But uh, did want to just go back and forth a little bit on what you had mentioned before the break. I, I thought Draymond explained it pretty well there. I, I thought really it was incidental on, on both ends uh, as far as – yeah, Draymond going up, obviously trying to to make a play, get a tip if the ball does come out. Uh, but I think him being tangled up with Giddy and those two being tangled up together, I think led to both Draymond hitting the rim and Giddy hitting the net. So uh, again, the the explanation while there was the confusion initially, I think it wound up being no harm, no foul either way. And and again, the most important thing, as we've talked about a lot here, is the, Curry made the move, beat his man, and hit the shot, and that shot had every every right to count in that particular instance.
2: Yeah, you would hate for that thing to get ruled off, or upon further review, they come back with an offensive interference call, and so you, know, you don't you don't get what is I think the greatest finish by Steph Curry and what has been obviously a remarkable career. But I just wanted to highlight Draymond for what I thought you know again even if they. They decide that the bucket's no good and that thing goes into overtime and people want to point a finger at Draymond for losing the contest. I, I think instinctively, Draymond, as well as anybody in the front court, that's what you got to do. Uh, we saw a lot of the Warriors being active on the on the glass by Andrew Wiggins, tipping and keeping balls alive. But when that thing is so high off, off the window, and I'm talking about Steph's game winner last night over Chet Holmgren, that that thing is sort of tantalizingly bouncing on the rim and, and there's some unpredictability as far as whether that thing is going to stay down or come out. So I can understand fully what it is that Draymond was doing as far as a, a putback, because this is it. It's the game winner. So, you know, again, I don't know if anyone wanted to lay blame on, on Draymond at the time. I know it's frustrating because, you know, you've just taken away a potential game winner from Steph Curry, but I thoroughly understand and defend Draymond in terms of his actions.
3: Well, and I I don't think anybody was going to be blaming Draymond last night. I really don't. And maybe I'm naive. Maybe I maybe I'm naive in this instance, but I, I feel like if if anything it, it, people were going to go scream bloody murder about the officiating. Oh. And, and 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 to me oh. that that would that would be the conversation. And and again, in the explanation where they say Giddy grabbing the net didn't matter if they also said Draymond touching the rim did matter which I think was on the table at the moment in which they went to the replay review and again I can't it's semantics and and a lot of people are like well why are you bringing it up still and and this and that but the officials deemed that giddy grabbing the net didn't matter so again at the point in which they went to the replay it was all about Draymond and again I, I, I they got it right which warrior fans are happy about and I think objective observers are, are happy about, but when that thing goes to replay, I just don't think people realize how much of a 50-50 coin flip it really is, especially when the call on the court went the other way and deemed that that you know Draymond had inter- interfered with it. Now, it was pretty clear that he didn't touch the ball, obviously, and it was clear, although subjective still, it was clear that, it didn't impact the ball going through the basket. But again, time a guy touches the rim, the official can make the determination that it did impact the basket, whether it did or not. And so you still have to get it right as much as we can all sit here. And, and I think those with Warriors colored glasses would sit there and say, easy call, damn it. And Giddy grabbed the net. And Draymond isn't that. Again, they got it right. But I think people would have been talking about the officiating over, over Draymond making a, a blunder had it gone the other way. Well, and with
2: good reason because – and I know we're not this show. and We don't want to bottom feed and point fingers at officiating and bad calls. But there were some – and I don't want to dwell on this because it's easy to do, and let's not be those guys. as like the officiating suck. But some of those calls, and specifically, I think it was Jalen Williams – in the game, hanging in the balance, closing moments of the contest, and he's trying to clear space. Did you see this on Clay Thompson? And he's literally banging his head against the chest of Clay Thompson, and Clay's just laterally moving with him. And they called a foul on Clay Thompson, and Steve Kerr's like, what? You gotta be kidding me. And I was watching, and obviously, I wasn't privy to what it is that they were saying, but the referee's like motioning to his eye. No, he's he, he's clutching his eye. Clay hurt his eye. And, and you could see Steph, Kerr, or excuse me, Steve Kerr say, if you're going to bang your head against a guy's chest and trying to create space that isn't there, yeah, you're going to hurt your eye. It was just one of the most egregious calls, but let's, let's move on. I don't want to be that guy. But when you talk about officiating, there were some – and I think it went both ways, but there were some head scratches last night. All right,
3: let's get to Don in Sunnyvale, 8 957-9570. Uh, first caller of the morning here on 95.7 The Game. Oh, we just lost Don. We just lost Don. Well, Don, give us a call back. We'll get you right to the front of the line, and and, and we'll get you on the air. We too too busy, uh, Devon, like yeah. we always do, man. You put the two of us together, and we just start. We just can't stop yapping. And so, uh, yeah, we will get to the phone calls here between now and noon. Please, uh, feel free to join the conversation. Triple eight nine five seven. Nine five seven zero. Well, the other thing I wanted to get into, and again, thrilling win for the Warriors. Four and zero on the road. Five and one overall. Cleveland tomorrow. Detroit Monday. Denver. That's going to be a big early season showdown uh, in Denver on on Wednesday night wow. before the Warriors come home. But the the big topic of the day, and I know there's been a lot of discussion, and, and with every win, Dan, it it becomes this you know comparison to to last season. And we mentioned it a little bit in the opening segment, but the the Draymond Green comments post-game against Sacramento, and we're going to play a couple of the clips right here. I've got them lined up with Craig. Uh, Draymond after the win against the Kings, just talking about, first of all, the chemistry this season after, at that point, five games already being better than last year.
5: Last year we had an awful team as far as chemistry goes. Um, It was pathetic. But chemistry has been a strong suit here. That's why Steph has been here for 15 years, Clay has been here for 13, I've been here for 12, and Loon has been here for nine. Because chemistry is a strong suit, and Andre Udala. The list goes on and on. That's why so many guys have been around here for so long, because the chemistry is what we've hung our hat on. Well, you look at last year, and you say, oh, man, this team hasn't lost a a Western Conference series under Steve Kerr. And then it happens. The big reason why is our chemistry sucked. And so... You know, I don't look at that as, oh man, like this is a team that we've struggled with chemistry. I mean, yeah, we struggled with our chemistry for years. It was a one-year thing. Things, you know, stuff happens, and it was an anomaly. But you know, we're right back where we need to be in in that department. And most importantly, I think there's still room and will be growth in that department.
3: All right, so Draymond there, and I want to play the second part of this, Dan, before we react to to what Draymond had to say. And I do think it's interesting because he's right. The chemistry had been. Phenomenal throughout the, the decade, basically, that the Warriors have been on top of the league and a, and a championship contender. Last year it did get away, uh, but it is interesting because it's a lot of the same guys in terms of the leaders and the superstar players, all of the same guys that, that were here uh, a year ago with the addition of of Chris Paul and a, and a couple of other veterans and obviously the, the two rookies. Uh, Draymond, though, continued his answer here uh, with a little more detail as far as as how rough last year was.
5: Last year was horse It's hard to come to work. Y'all see me trying to do Clay's little paper airplane. It was hard to come to work, not fun, you know. And so this year you see the joy, you know, on guys' face when they come in the building. You got guys, like, staying over two and three hours after just sitting around talking, getting here two and three hours early just to be here, you know, it's like – You start to see that, and you're like, okay, this is a group that likes being together. A group
3: that likes being together. So, just your initial thoughts on that. My initial thought on the second part, just real briefly, was, well, Dre, like I get it was different and it was hard, but you were a part of that, dude. (laughs) Like, and and again, I know Jordan Poole. I think I was the first one to say, hey, Jordan Poole does have a vibe that I could see the veteran players at times – not being down with, and and maybe being one of those guys. We all have that friend, Dan. We all do. Yeah. We all have that friend who gets on your, on your nerves, even though you love them and even though you're friends, but the way they come at you in certain situations about life, even if they're ribbing you, even if they're joking, you do maybe want to pop them one. And that doesn't mean you do by any stretch. I'm not saying that, but everybody has that friend. And so I feel like... You know, Jordan became the guy that Draymond obviously was. He lost his cool with there. But I also think, hey, Draymond, like you you did make a mistake last year, a major one that helped set the course off path.
2: No doubt. And I, I think I got to give you some props here, J.D., because I remember we did a show, and it was in the aftermath. And right after the punch, and emotions were high, and let's – Just to take you back a little more than a year ago, let's not forget that the overall consensus was Draymond Green, get him out of town. Draymond Green is somebody that should have, I mean, some callers wanted him arrested. Draymond Green was the Antichrist, he was public enemy number one. All right. It was pretty much 95. And that 5% that were like, now you know what? Just everybody relax, and this isn't on Draymond. Now, I'm not defending Draymond, but I will say that it, you were one of the few, and you and I got into a conversation about it, that, and you weren't, you know, you didn't say, hey, listen, this is, you know, he deserved this. Nobody deserves to get punched no. in the face. But you did sort of a highlight, and you were one of the few that said, this is a guy. And you were referring to Jordan Poole because nobody was taking that stance a year ago. Nobody would go anywhere near defending Draymond, and that's not what you were doing, but you did underline and highlight the fact that he was somebody that could push buttons. You mentioned how, you know, the tongue sticking out after shots, sort of like maybe not teammates, but there's just a, there's a way about this guy. And so before we all jump on Draymond and, you know— publicly hang this guy there was this sense of just just let's understand who it is that we're dealing with here again not to justify anybody punching somebody but let's just remember that and I think as the season bore on and it wasn't just relegated I think to Draymond I think that there were incidents again that provided insight I mentioned Steph Curry Going after, uh, going after Jordan Poole when he threw his mouthpiece and was upset with him visibly on, on the floor. Steve Kerr, I talked about this, dressing him down, chewing him out a la Bobby Knight. Uh, you don't see that from, from Steve Kerr. There was some, And don't forget, how about one of the assistant coaches in that ugly moment getting into it with Jordan Poole on the sidelines. And there were just these little windows that you got this idea that maybe this cat does not fit with what it is that has been so important to the Golden State Warriors throughout the years, and I hate when people throw this word out because it's so casual and it's overused, but the culture. The culture has been as important to anything, and I think that one guy, yes, that one guy was disruptive to what it is that the Golden State Warriors had built for so many years from the ground up.
3: Well, and the irony is Jordan Poole fit two years ago, and I know there's a lot of people that are saying, well, well, he helped him win a title, and he did. He helped him win a title. He started for Klay Thompson until Klay came back in, in January two years ago. He averaged 19 a game. He was efficient. I, I still think that's the best basketball that, that Jordan Poole's played in his career, That the time that he started in the place of Klay Thompson two years ago as the Warriors got off to the 18-2 the and two start, and, and hell, they were, shortly after Klay came back, they were 41-13 and 13 before things kind of went awry down the stretch and and the Warriors were banged up and they were trying to get everything back on the same page right as the playoffs started and and, and they were able to do it. Independent of the act itself for me, Dan, because it was twofold. Draymond was wrong in in the moment for what he did. But the other thing was, and this is where the conversation went, it went to, and you said it, well, who's got to go, right? Immediately it was, especially if this team doesn't win and ultimately they did not win enough and the chemistry and everything got worse and so it became who's got to go and when you and and that was the no-brainer for me it was like there's no way and 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 that's where it became an easy conversation for me is that there's no way you would say Draymond Green is the guy to go unless you want to admit right there full stop you're no longer contending for championships and and again it wasn't necessarily about right or wrong in the moment because Draymond was wrong but Draymond could be wrong and Jordan Poole being on the team could still be the wrong move like moving forward like just because you're the you know wrong in the moment doesn't mean long term keeping you around isn't the right call for the franchise and I think that's what made this thing such a struggle internally was because as time moved on and and everybody separated from it, it became clear that Draymond was the guy based on his play on the floor and based on Steph Curry's you know, going to bat for him and Klay Thompson going to bat for him and the big three going to bat for each other and Steve Kerr going to bat for the big three. I mean, I'll never forget being down at, at, at uh, the arena in L.A., Crypto.com Arena, formerly Staples, as the Warriors got eliminated, back in May in Game 6, and it wasn't even 10 minutes after the game where where Steve and Steph and Clay and Draymond are all, we're running it back. We're running it back. We're coming back. We think this core can still do it. That was the ultimate indictment of Jordan Poole ain't going to be here to to go Magic Johnson. I am going to be here. He had the the drop during his impromptu press conference when he was going to resign from the Lakers. And so I think, again, not to, not to you know, ramble about it, Draymond was in the wrong in that moment, but he, it was still in the right for him to be the player that the Warriors choose, chose if one of them had to be chosen.
2: Yeah, I think once you got beyond that and it becomes a decision at the end of the season, just like anything else, what makes our team better going forward? Draymond Green still... Had more value and still does, has more value physically to the Golden State Warriors than that of Jordan Poole. Uh, Jordan Poole can put up some big numbers, uh, but Jordan Poole being as turnover prone as he was uh, and remove everything else, the punch, when you're just looking at these two guys and you're trying to make the Golden State Warriors better. Well, listen, if Jokic is coming to town, who's going to D him up? There's there's one guy. There's one guy that provides the defense on that team and means more to them in terms of winning games in a cause and effect and that is Draymond Green. Now that may not be the case a year or two from now, but as of right now, where we live, you know, 6 months ago when they made this decision, he has more value and he outweighs that of Jordan Poole when you're talking about the positives and the negatives. And I know people will point to 2 years ago when he won an NBA championship, you know, nobody had an issue with Jordan Poole, I would just push back, well, he's still a young guy. And I don't think that that, that personality that I, I, I continue to, to harp on and beat this drum, that it was never a fit with the Golden State Warriors, I, I just don't think he had fully grown into the sort of person or had become or at least fully displayed as to who he was. Uh, and we're all – he's a kid. you know. We're all going through our formative years. And I would say a couple of years ago he was not the same guy – as far as the, you know, the, the, the person that came to camp a year ago that eventually got punched by that, of Dray, uh, Draymond Green. So as it relates to those two, you, when you're making business decisions to make your team better, there's no doubt that Draymond Green's going to get the nod instead of Jordan Poole.
3: I, I think the success of two years ago, in, in some ways, went to Jordan Poole's head. And, and he, he came in a different dude, knowing that he was going to get paid, knowing that he was going to be a champion. Agreed. And I think that that was a big part of it. I, I think Poole, he he towed the line between brash and cocky and and a showman and and again, when it's not grading on your own teammates, everybody loves it. Everybody in the bay love warrior fans loved Jordan Poole's swag. Two years ago it it didn't create situations where his teammates eye rolled him because of it and. That's exactly what happened last year, I think, when he came back as a champ. He kind of came back, I thought, as, hey, I'm a made dude now. I'm a champ. I'm getting my 120 large, and I, I, I'm I'm one of you guys. And I think that's where the, connect, the disconnect really started was the fact that he kind of, I'm one of you guys. I'm like you, Steph. I'm like you, Clay. I'm like you, Draymond. And I think while well, the big three was like, yeah, you helped us. You were huge, but you got a long way to go before you're at our level, in terms of you know two way play and championship commitment and, and all of those kinds of things, and so yeah, I do think uh, you know Jordan and, and you're right he's young, youth is, is an easy explainer, money 's an easy explainer uh, I, I think the four one five brings us up and then we'll get to the phones on the, on the Comcast business text line. I think this is an excellent point from the text line. You guys are forgetting that the punch actually changed. Poole's behavior and I think that is the I think that also is what occurred like I think I think Poole came in a little different I think the punch clearly changed things Draymond has to be accountable for that and it just set this awful tone that the Warriors set out to recover from going through this past spring and summer and to this point it appears they've they've been able to do it and now You know, people are are speaking out about some of the differences, which, you know, we can get into that coming up in the next hour. You know, should Draymond be talking about Jordan without talking about Jordan or hinting that it's Jordan and all of that? Does that potentially ruin the vibe after everybody has moved on as this team looks to get off to the hot start? Uh, We can get into that coming up as well. Let's get Scott and Berkeley here, though, before the top of the hour on Warriors this week. Hey, Scott. Hey, fellas. How you
4: doing? Oh, well, wow. I guess the thing, the thing. I mean, I keep looking at everything, and we keep saying, "Yeah, it was an outlier year for the Warriors." I'm still mystified as to how Kerr couldn't manage it, given that when he was playing in Chicago, he famously swapped hands with MJ. That's always been mystifying to me about how he, how the one person you would know think of who could have managed a situation like that. Couldn't, but I've been saying for a while. You look at okay, the road record last year was just bizarre for this team, given the history. But by extension, you look at the whole thing. I mean, the Lakers, the Lakers getting to the finals, and I I keep pointing this out. Memphis was a mess when the Lakers got them. The Warriors were a mess. They ended up, you know, they get to they get to Denver, which wasn't a mess, and we saw what happened. You look at the other conference. Miami got the benefit of some of the most egregious cases of coaching malpractice I've seen in probably 25 years and I, I mean it's kind of like we're looking at the first 10 days of the season and I think we're maybe back on kind of a I guess what I would call a more normal um, sort of sort of pace and lo- how we look at the season so I mean you know, and how – last night was just fantastic. You know, but I think what we've also seen the last two nights is that Holmgren and Wimbledon are mm. not are going to be – they're going to be miserable for people for the next 15 years. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, my God. Thank, uh, thanks,
3: Scott. You're right about that. Dan, we can get into that as we kind of look around the first couple of weeks of the league. We will spend a, at least a half segment, if not a full segment, kind of doing that, early observations. Holmgren's nice. And Oh my God, the, the, the game that he had against Phoenix the other night, uh, just incredible, incredible stuff. All right, one hour in the books. We're flying along here. He's Dan Devone. I'm John Dickinson. Phone lines are open, 888 Comcast Business Text Line is open. We'll hear from Steve Kerr as he responded to what Draymond had to say when he joined Willard and Dibs earlier this week uh, here on 95.7 The Game. But we are off and rolling here. Two more hours to come.